What's up, stick to football fans? This is Matt Miller, uh, lead NFL draft writer for Bleacher Report, joined as always by my co-host Connor Rogers. We we have a really fun show today, Connor. And I I told you right before we went on, like, hey man, I just want to have fun today. Like, we have a rundown. We might follow it. We might not. We have a lot of football to talk about, and like that's we've been waiting months for this time of year, right? Where we can just be like, hey, let's just talk football. Like, who cares about you know, making sure we we hit this topic or that topic. Um, but let everybody know, man, what are we doing today? On What do we have planned today, at least, that we that we may or may not actually do on this show? Yeah, no, no doubt. We got a lot to talk about. We have a very fun guest with Chaps coming on from Barstool. So, you know, that's going to fulfill the promise of this being a fun show because Chaps <laughs> is hilarious. We're going to talk a little press box food, local radio homers. Matt's got a new big board with a new top quarterback. So that we're going to be really heavy on that because... There's a lot of movement right now there. Not too much with the other positions, but quarterback is so important for this draft with so many teams that look like they're going to struggle to win a single game. I know both New York football teams, especially the Jets right now, are, are not looking great. Um, we have to talk about, you know, obviously what's going on with Josh Allen and just everything across the board, and we'll answer all your draft on draft questions. So it's going to be a loaded show. We're not in a rush today. We're going to have a ton of fun. So here we go. Let's get right after it. Yeah, and, and apologies for last week where we did have to rush, but hopefully we, we made up. Made it up to you guys on Twitter, but I want to start off today with a rant. I always feel like our best shows are when I come in pissed off. Uh, so um, I, we were at Louisville Clemson, and you'll hear um, Audio Mello and I did a breakdown uh, right after that game of Lamar Jackson, of the Clemson defense, of all the talent we saw there. But I want to talk about that how important a good press box spread is. Like when you go, like Louisville did a great job. We walked in. It was, you know, it was hot out. We had been walking for, it felt like an hour. And they had, like you know, like these crafts of like lemonade and, and soda and tea. They had like that good salad, which is no one eats it, right? Because it's all media of and course. scouts, right? So yep. so I was actually able to, to make a pretty nice salad because all the ingredients were there. Uh, but then they had, man, they had like macaroni and cheese, that good potatoes, uh, chicken pot pie, pasta. They had a chef carving roast beef. That's impressive. They had rolls I, and then like cake and cookies. And it was like, damn. I mean, it was it was a small press box compared to some of the others we've been to. But like, listen, I loved the the environment at the University of Iowa. They had hot dogs in the press box. <laughs> that's not with uh, with ketchup and mustard available. Yeah, and mayonnaise and mayonnaise. So that's, that's important. disgusting. I don't understand that don't concept either. at all. The mayo and the hot dog thing is something me and Matt can finally agree on. Press box food is, uh, and for anyone that, that hasn't been in a press box, it's like, it can go one of two ways. It can, it can change be, your whole day. It's, it really can, because you're going to crash and feel awful, or it can keep you going through a very long football game it? and a long night of writing. I think Notre Dame, they they fed us before the game. And then, at, you know, at halftime, they'll bring out like popcorn, something yep. like that. And then after the game, they had pizza, you know, because they knew you were going to be awesome. there. Because, yeah, I mean, for people who you listen to me bitch about this and you're like, wow, what a like, what a baby. But you're, <laughs> you're usually food. there two to three hours after the game working. So it, it is like, and it's not like, actually, I have done this. I have walked down to the concession stands like right before halftime and like got something good, ate it real fast and then gone back up to the press box. So that's like a, if that's an underrated move. All right, we did that. Yeah, it's Iowa. a lot. It's covering a game is a long process. I, I've only been in uh, the MetLife press box for the Jets, and 
food was good. Uh, you know, like average, but like I said, it's, it's nice just to get fed because you are there for a very long time. And I mean, you have to focus, so it, you don't want to be like scrambling. Like you said, you have to run down to the concessions. Uh, so I see someone in the rundown that I'm really curious about. What is up with uh, your opinion on the local radio homers oh, right shit, now? Oh, shit, man. So we, Melo and I drove to Louisville, which from Joplin is about eight hours, which is cool. Like, we, we actually enjoy doing that. But on the way home on Sunday, it was NFL games. And I can't be out of the loop for a whole Sunday, right? So we can't just, like, jam to Michael Jackson's greatest hits on the way home like we would prefer to do. So no it's like, hey— Let's turn on the Sirius XM in my truck and we'll just listen to their, they have this this show on Sundays where it's almost like a red zone channel for radio. And so when a team gets in the red zone, they'll throw it to the, the home radio station, right? Those guys are the biggest fucking homers in the whole world, man. And it's crazy. Like we were listening to the, they threw to the Bills game. And I, I swear to God, this was how it went. It was like, you know, it was the late in the game, and it was like, oh, you know, Tyrod scrambles, and he, he throws deep, and he has Zay Jones, and oh, it's just off his hands. It was a perfect throw. He just missed it <laughs> off his hands. And the color guy comes, and he was like, yeah, I mean, he completely turned Zay around, but the ball was there. It hit him in the hands. And it's like, motherfucker, if he had to turn, like, if he had to rotate and spin, the ball was not on and point. And it wasn't right there. Like, come on. <laughs> like, But yeah, these guys will go out of their way. I mean, they were talking about, like, you know, Cam Newton, you know, had another bad day. And they were like, well, this is his preseason still. Like, he's still shaking it off. And it might be, but it's okay to say that your team sucks. Like, that, and the yeah. Panthers are 2-0, and so you have a lot to be excited about. But they've scored, like, five points in two games, you know. I mean, they're, they are awful, and a lot of that's Cam Newton. And they can't get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. And, and these radio guys, it it's amazing, man. It's like they have the ultimate beer goggle on, you know, it's 2 a.m. and everything's looking good for these guys. It's like uh, you, the, none, no home team ever makes a mistake. So I just, got yeah, it. it happens. Uh, it happens on TV too, with baseball because baseball obviously oh, yeah. has their consistent crews. And uh, they always love to just like, you know, berate the other team, whether it's showboating and stuff. Cause it's such an old school, which is like Marshawn dancing. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Was anyone they, they on the Jets? Out, they're blowing out the Jets, and he's not taunting the Jets. He's having fun. So Who the hell I, cares? We were driving. Jets didn't care. That's the story yesterday, though, is that, oh, the Jets were upset. Yeah, is and it? then Jordan Jenkins once again gets taken out of context, which is bullshit again. It, that's why players don't want to talk to the media, and it ruins it for the rest of us because there's some people that are slimy and trying to pull quotes, but only what they want out of it. And leaving the rest out, and then you have headlines pulled out. And you know what's even worse, actually? I shouldn't say that. Because it's rarely the actual reporter that asked the question. It's outlets that are pulling the quote that didn't ask the question and only taking a piece of the quote that the reporter got. So I shouldn't just say slimy reporters, because often it's not them. But that's why players don't want to talk to the media now a lot, because they are constantly taken out of context, and it's unfair, and it makes them look bad for something that they weren't arguing for. It's amazing. So, yeah, I start the show with two rants. Let's make it three. Let's just go right into rant number three. The great thing about driving that long is I can make notes and be like, oh, I need to I need to rant about this. Let's just talk about Josh Allen. I, I know he's farther down on the rundown, but let's just get this That's out all of the right. way. People want, people want to know. I, I wanted to throw this at you, and I'm glad you brought up this early. I've had, and, and not in an aggressive attacking way, but I've had people ask me whether it's around the office or just, they're like, hey, like you're really close with Matt. He still has Josh Allen in his top five and ahead of Rosen. 
what is he seeing? Like, what is he? Because for them, you got to realize, like Matt, they only get to see Josh Allen against Iowa, against Oregon. Yeah. They don't get to see. They don't get to know about Josh Allen off the field. They don't get to see him in other games because Wyoming's not always on. I want you to. I want you to rant and go on and explain. You know what are you still believe in Josh Allen? Like, you know what is your reasoning? Because I, I'm sure you have a fair one, but people want to know. Yeah, I think it's it's important. And what I wanted to do was like talk to people about my process because I think a lot of people don't understand because a lot of people in my job aren't very transparent, right? And that's not a knock on them. They just I don't think they realize that people care how we do our jobs. But people, based on my Twitter mentions, they really do. So my job, let's go back to last last spring. I put Josh Allen number three overall pick to the Bears. Uh, it was when he was on the fence about if he was going to declare or not. That information came from multiple NFL people. At that time, I hadn't watched Josh Allen. I knew who he was. You know, he was on my list for this year, but I hadn't broken him down. And I've told this part of the story before. I got a message from him saying, if I were to come out for the draft, where would you evaluate me? And so I said, let me do my diligence. I'll ask some people in the NFL. I'll take a look at it and I'll get back to you. My grade on him at that time was a second rounder. I thought he was the second rounder in last year's draft. NFL people told me, he could be a top five pick because of the traits. So that was in January. Those traits aren't any different, right? And he is struggling. I moved him down. And because I was on the road, I haven't seen the Oregon game yet. I have a feeling I'll move him down even more after I see the Oregon game, because the biggest questions that I have with Josh Allen are instincts and decision-making. That was what I said after the Iowa game, you know, like, man, the, the arm and the, the mobility are, exceptionally rare, like better than Pat Mahomes, probably up there with Cam Newton. But if you can't make the decisions, none of that shit matters. And so I think that's where we're at right now is trying to figure out, can he be taught to make those decisions? Is he being in any way held back by the talent or scheme around him? Or is the game just too big for him? And that's what I got to figure out in the next nine months. Um, I'll take it on the chin. I, I had him ranked highly and he's not looked good. Uh, that it, it sucks. It's part of the job, but I'm also not going to sit here after a kid has two bad games and say, no, 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 I'm smarter than you guys. He's going to be, a, he's still, he's still the best player in college. He's not. And so he's moving down it. it and it's going to be hard for him to rebound, right? Because it's against these power five teams that have NFL talent on defense is when he struggles. So that's where I'm at with him. And I, I told Mello last night that Josh Allen is, there was like a commercial for HGTV that came on right before Monday Night Football. And I was like, man, that's Josh Allen. Like, he's that house in a good neighborhood, in a good school system that has no crime, but like the people who live there before trashed it. So you buy that house thinking, oh, we'll fix it up and, and we can make it really nice. But you might get in there and find that there's like black mold in the basement. And, yeah, it's you know, just there's termites. Yeah. And, but that's what he is. He's a project. And uh, I think... I'll, I'll take a lot of blame for this, actually. I think we, as an industry, really hyped Josh Allen. You know, I did it. Schefter came out and said, at the end of last year's draft, he said, the number one pick in next year's draft is going to be Josh Allen. You know, we all, we all did it. And now it's a matter of, it's not like those expectations were wrong. It's just that he hasn't lived up to them yet. So uh, we'll see. There's a, you know, there's still nine months to go, but he is definitely trending downward and I don't know I don't know what could bring him back up and, and you can look at guys like 
Hackenberg or Paxton Lynch, Blake Bortles. Those are the types of quarterbacks that I think Allen is like because he's a trait-based guy. And Blake Bortles was the third pick in the draft. Paxton Lynch was like, what, the 20th? He could yeah, still be 25th. a high draft pick. He still could be. Yeah, and Hackenberg was a complete disaster that needs to be rebuilt from the bottom and still went 51st overall. Right, so I know everyone, like, it's trendy right now for a lot of Twitter analysts to shit on Josh Allen because because he was put on a pedestal by, like, the establishment, and he's not played well. And so this is, like, like, the favorite time of year for those Twitter analysts to have nothing to lose because they can be like, you guys are stupid. Look at you. I'm so right. But those guys all had Lamar Jackson as quarterback one, and he was awful against Clemson. So, like, the moral of the story is it's week three, and yes. none of us are geniuses. We got to let this shit play out. And it's like, it's not fair to, I don't think it's fair to tear people down, like to tear these kids down. Like, they're just doing what they do. So, that's my, that's my Josh Allen rant. No, and it's um that was perfect. And number one, I, I think that you shouldn't take you shouldn't shoulder the blame because it went across the board. You know, you you were on the Josh Allen train early and you were fair. You said he's a second rounder because of all world traits. I don't think that's changed. Daniel Jeremiah, who we love and respect as much as anyone, uh, it was saying that he's further along than Pat Mahomes as a yeah, prospect. That's true. And he so, might be. He might actually and he be. might and DJ's one of the smartest guys in media. So, and I remember, I forget who wrote it, so I apologize to them, but SI had a title on him that said, meet next year's number one pick. Yep. It's across the board. This isn't a, just a youth. And like, that comes from the NFL. Like, yeah, exactly. That's it, where we it, all get that from. Exactly. And up until this Oregon game, it, from what I gathered, is that scouts were still having hope that he could be a top five guy, like a top five, top three guy. We're, you know, now that's like 21 teams or something went to watch the majority Oregon. of over half of the teams yeah. were in Laramie. We're in Laramie. Now, that doesn't that mean they didn't send people. <laughs> that doesn't mean they didn't send people to Louisville. And this is something you could speak to when we do talk about your time in Louisville watching uh, Lamar Jackson. But. The NFL was is still really into it, like into the whole idea of Josh Allen, what he could be. Listen, he's he's 21 years old. This isn't an old quarterback prospect. I know Twitter has completely ripped him apart. It, it's two extremes, really. I think right yeah. now Josh Allen is going to have a very interesting decision to make because you made the great point that it's hard for him to rebound. He's got Hawaii coming up at, that Josh Rosen ripped apart, and that's not me gloating for you know I love Josh no, Rosen, he, but it's more. Yeah. It's more saying Hawaii is not a good football team, a good defense. So I think, it, like you said, it's going to be hard for Allen to prove, hey, you know what, he does have it. I think he's got a decision to make. He could either go back to school and he'll come out another year later as a little bit older of a quarterback prospect and try to you know, develop there, or he can come out and he'll probably still be an early day two pick, I think. I, I think so too. And again, the, it, it's so hard because like, I thought Blake Bortles was the second-round pick. But Jacksonville loved his arm strength, and they loved his personality. Like, he interviewed really well. Yes, and so they made me. him a top three pick. And that's how it works. So, you know, because, I, yeah, Greg Sorry, Gabriel and I had a, a conversation on Twitter. Greg worked in the NFL for a really long time, and now he does a little bit of media. And, and he said to me Saturday night, he's like, man, you can't put a grade on kids this early. And I would love to not mm-hmm. have to, but I, I have two kids who like to eat. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, and you have a job I, that requires I, I, it. Yeah. And so 
the I think that's another important thing is like for people to understand that it's not flip flopping when your grade changes on a player, good or bad. You know, I've I've moved guys up. If you look at the big board, you know, I've moved Derwin James up because we've seen him healthy and he looks really good. He looks as good as advertised. So, it, but it's not flip flopping. It's fluid. You know, things are supposed to change between now and April and even between now and the end of December when the games are done. So uh, that's a, you know, that's like 10 minutes on how we, how we do this job. But I thought it was important. You know, I don't ever want to like hide from an opinion. And if people want to know, like you said, a lot of people are saying, what do you see in this kid? I, I think it's important for us to answer those questions and not, not hide behind. Oh, well, a scout told me like, I want everyone to know exactly why I have a player ranked where I have him or, don't have them if that happens to be the case. And for people that, you know, we've had Josh on the podcast and we loved him. I mean, if you yeah. if you want to get to know more about Josh, I would suggest going back and listening to it. It was one of our early shows. I believe it was in June. So probably like between episode five and ten. And it'll have his name in the title. And we'll have him on again after this season. And he is upfront and honest about what he can do, what he believes he can do, and where he's failing. He admitted that he need to be a more accurate quarterback and take care of the ball to us. And it hasn't happened just yet, but he's not a guy. He's not a guy that's going to shy away from those problems. So it's going to be, we'll move on. Uh, It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It's early. It's really early, but I do want to hear about your new QB one and your reasoning of of why. he. (laughs) Yes, I do. And I like him a lot, but, and called this. I did last week to be exact. Yeah. It, which is crazy. So yeah, my new quarterback one is Sam Darnold. And so you did, you called it last week when I was with you in New York, you said, Hey, I, I have a hot take. Your number one quarterback is going to end up Sam Darnold. Sure as shit this week he is. So I, I <laughs> tweeted you that you, you went all inception on me and like got in my head about it. But you were not, probably sitting there when you were writing it and thinking, God damn it. I yeah, don't want to do like, this because he said this. it, but I need yeah. to do it. <laughs> so, but I, the things that I like about Sam Darnold are, like those intangible things, you know, his toughness, his accuracy, the fact that he's he's so incredibly poised. And, you know, like watch, I only got to see the, the ha- second half of the fourth quarter and, and the overtimes when they played Texas. And I'm a Texas fan. I, no, I make no secret about that. And watching Darnold, it was, and I talked to some NFL people after the fact, they were like, man, early in the game, you know, USC just didn't let him rip it. They didn't let him be himself. And so then you saw late in the fourth quarter, they were kind of like, oh, shit, like, let's just let Sam be Sam. And he just came alive. I mean, he throws such a catchable ball and he does things so well under pressure and with people in his face. He's just he never looks rattled to me. And I love that about a player like Josh Rosen. I also watched that game. I mean, they played a a very like fiery, athletic Memphis team, like a good, good Memphis team. And everyone kind of, you know, was shitting on Rosen because he threw two picks. One was not his fault. One, the receiver didn't see the the safety blitz and ran a go route instead of a stop route. Rosen threw the stop route. That's on the receiver. And yes, he threw it off his back foot. Uh, It wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but that, that pick wasn't on him. And with Darnold, like he's, he's continuing to throw picks. Right. And so I think that's the concern, but we, we talked about this last week with, with Josh Allen. I think Darnold at times is just trying to do a little too much and he doesn't have a great arm. Like that's going to be the biggest knock on him is that his arm strength is not great. And I, I think sometimes his eyes get him, you know, in a situation where his arm can't bail him out, but 
he's still, I mean, he's, he's just so damn accurate. It's hard to overlook that. And he's a great athlete on top of that. Kid was recruited to play linebacker. That's like Melo's favorite tidbit about Sam Darnold is he was recruited as a linebacker. And now he's the best quarterback in the country. And he was a very, very good uh, baseball player up until he, uh, I think he played basketball too. So he showed up late for baseball season in high school once and his coach benched him. So, but he, you know, he's just an athlete. That's the thing with Darnold. And, um, you know, with Darnold, it's interesting because I'm starting to get that vibe with him when, I mean, God, there was 39 seconds left on the clock. When Sam Darnold's getting the ball back, you kind of expect him to go down the field rather than him getting stopped. And there's only so many guys that you get that vibe with. I get that vibe with Rosen. I mean, when Rosen gets the ball back, it to me, it's like, okay, he's he's just going to go down the field, even if he's on his own one. I went back and watched all, all 56 attempts of those Rosen throws against Memphis last night because all I've read about is the two picks. And I watched the game live, but it's not the same. And it was there was a lot more good than bad there. And I would say the same with Darnold's games, even with the picks. We hear so much about whether we hear so much for them too. It's two extremes. You notice that? it's yep. You hear so much about the game-winning or game-tying drives with them. And you hear so much about their turnovers. Nobody talks about all the great things they do in between all of that. Whether it's obviously the jump pass was from Darnold was incredible because yes, he he's so he's crazy with his base. Like there's so many times he just doesn't set his feet when he can. That time he knew the pressure was coming, where it was coming from. This is something I think he's better at than Rosen. He recognizes pressure. Rosen's really good at it too, but Darnold, it's like that that feel in the pocket. He knows exactly how much time he has to get the ball out, and he gets it there. And um, you know, and Burnett on USC, his top receiver, made a lot of nice plays yeah, he's in that game. Guy. They're yeah, they're very in sync together, and, and you love to see that because one thing I wrote about after watching Darnold over summer was, man, his timing with his receivers is not great. And I gave him an excuse because he was not the quarterback starting quarterback going into the year last year, so he didn't have probably the same kind of reps with those guys. This year, after going in as the starter, you're seeing better timing with him and those guys. So that's how, back to what you said, grades are fluid. You go into the season, you write questions down. And you say, is he going to improve here, 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 or can he do this? And if they start checking the boxes, the grade goes up. If they don't, and you kind of see a trend, the grade's probably going to go down or remain the same. So, yeah, go ahead, Matt. No, you're absolutely right. And with those two... It is weird because I I think to some degree they've been like anointed a little bit, you know? So it's kind of like, because we've heard about Josh Rosen since high school and Sam Darnold had such a great year last year coming off the bench and then had the Rose Bowl comeback. So it's almost like to the fan, they don't have like a negative perception of these guys. You know, it's not like, it's not like it's the world against them, which it kind of feels like sometimes with Josh Allen or with Lamar Jackson or, you know, anyone who kind of comes out of nowhere, there's it seems to be a lot of like people are skeptical of it. It doesn't feel yep. that way with those two. People just kind of accept their positives to be their positives. And I, you know, your QB one Rosen, man, the it's it's so early, you know, like right now I talk to teams and there are a lot of guys who haven't even seen many players yet, you know. But I would say that the momentum shift right now is that Rosen is like people are really warming up to Rosen as people cool on Josh Allen. With Darnold, it's just steady. I mean, Darnold to me is the is the way too early favorite to go number one. Probably so. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's it's probably Darnold or Rosen right now would be if I had to, you know, pick two. 
out of the whole class. I would feel really good about those two. Um, let's let's talk about another quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Uh, it, I watched the pit game Saturday morning, and he was he as close to perfect as you can be. And I, he threw a pick in the third quarter. He did not care. He had like 500 yards at that point. Uh, the Oklahoma State quarterback is a senior. He's looks the part, right? He's like 6'5", 230, big kid. Not a great athlete, but he moves pretty well in the pocket. Uh, he's he's accurate. His interception Saturday was the first he had thrown in, you know, forever. Uh, he just does not turn the ball over. But the question remains, and the, the feedback I continue to get from scouts is they had a, a round four grade on him last spring and again over the summer. So something's missing. Because we see the kid play on Saturday, and you're like, oh, man, like he looks he looks pretty good. And he doesn't have the biggest arm, but he he has all the other. Like, he checks a lot of those boxes. So I don't know if you've seen him yet to know or to have an opinion on what you think is missing. But it's really interesting to me that a player who looks really good on Saturdays and has NFL size is being dismissed by NFL teams right now. Yeah, it's fascinating. And this is a guy that we get asked about a lot. Um, so like you, I'd heard that teams kind of had a, a a fourth or fifth on him last year. He returned to school because his advisory grade was probably not very good. And so he went back to school. He puts up monster numbers. Now, are some of those inflated at times? You know, of course they are because of the conference he plays in. I'm telling you what, Matt, I, I I see Mason Rudolph as a, a third or fourth round kind of quarterback. I think he he's a little better than what Bryce Petty was coming out. I think they both just don't really have the arm talent to be I think, a, yeah. I think an that's NFL be the starter. And I don't I don't think he, now this is my problem that I it's hard for me to answer on Rudolph now, but what I do know about Bryce, Bryce Petty's IQ, especially coming out of the Baylor offense, was just not there. And it hasn't taken the necessary jumps. It, he's gotten better. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's what you look at and you say this is a guy we could develop into our long term number two. That has value in the NFL. It doesn't have value to fans. It has value to NFL front offices because look at how much backup quarterbacks get paid and take up on the cap if you can't find one in the later rounds and develop him and keep him around for pennies. So that's why there's value to that. And you see how many quarterbacks get hurt and why you need a backup. Rudolph, to me, is a, is the same thing with Petty where, now they're not the same player, but he's going to be taken in round three or four and hopefully developed as a as a long-term, very solid number two, but just always lacking that arm talent and maybe not ready to fully grasp an offense in, in year one or two. I go back to the Oklahoma game last year, and it's like that's where you see a lot of his flaws, whether it's handling the pressure against a good Oklahoma team, whether it was his accuracy. He only completed 11 of his 25 passes no touchdowns that game besides, you know, besides the rushing touchdown. So I, I, the problem with Rudolph is I'm starting to just dismiss these games where I look yeah, at well, the you defense play in South Alabama. Yeah. I, it's just like, I care so much about the bigger games. Now I'm not trying to discredit him. Once again, I do think he's a very late day two quarterback and has value, but he's just never going to find his way into the conversation of the Darnolds and the Rosens. He doesn't have the upside Allen has, although he's, he's not as raw. Obviously Jackson is just a way more talented player. So that's my problem with, with Mason Rudolph. And I just, it's going to be very hard for him to make that push. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think, so I think the arm strength thing will be the biggest issue. And then I think we can talk about this with 
with Mason Rudolph. And then you and I should talk a little Lamar Jackson before we uh, play the audio from, from Melo and I's trip. Because I, I think scheme is so important and it's something that's so hard for us to articulate at times because, you know, we're not there every Saturday. So we don't know what these quarterbacks are being asked to do. But you can look at like Mike Gundy was a good quarterback and he's ha- always had good quarterback play at Oklahoma State. But those guys have, have not translated to the NFL. So that can automatically give you a question about scheme. And obviously, every player is different. You want to evaluate them in a bubble. But I think with Mason Rudolph, he has the best receiving core in the country around him, like hands down. And they're five deep. You know, they're incredibly deep. They have a good run game, too. I think all that helps him. And he does complete a ton of passes. This year, we are seeing him go down the field a little bit more than we did last year, which it's probably by design. It's probably to show off a little more arm strength, but it's a lot of pitch and catch. Uh, against Pitt, I, I can't remember a throw where he threw someone open. He's throwing to a lot of open guys. So I, I think that's the bigger question. And it carries over to someone like Lamar Jackson, who I we both purposefully you know, really tried not to comment on him until I was able to get out on the road and see him in person. And it pissed a lot of people off. You know, like there was yeah, they a whole want instant day, answers. A whole day. Oh, just, yeah. It's not realistic right now. They want microwave popcorn scouting, you know, where it's like <laughs> two and a half minutes. Great. And way. so you'll hear um, our take right, you know, after the game. And it's kind of a raw, like fresh, you know, you're you're leaving the stadium and you're like, I saw this and I saw that. I know you were watching on TV and we were we were trying to text. You know, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't we did have talk cell phone a- service because the, yep. it was like overflow there. Um, you asked me about there were eight teams there uh, to scout, and okay. I can actually tell you which teams more. were there. Uh, the Colts were there, Cardinals, Bengals, Jets. The Texans uh, had two people, and General Manager Rick Smith was one of them. Uh, the Bills, uh, the Falcons, Dolphins, Rams, and Eagles. So uh, a decent amount of teams, but not anything like what we've seen in the past. I thought it was interesting that the Rick Smith, the, the Texans GM, was there. They don't have a first or second round pick. So that is interesting. Um, I wonder. I mean, th- those guys are are road warriors, those guys from the Texans. Yeah. So, you know, they'll go find those gems later on. Um, yeah, that is interesting when you don't have the assets, though. Yeah. But what did you think? Because everyone wants to know, you know, we're going to be like 30 minutes into this podcast. People are like, fucking tell me about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> no, I totally get comes. it. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty mixed on Lamar Jackson. I think he sits right now and this is such a fluid board i don't like to give these like definitive rankings people love to ask me for them and i feel bad when i don't always give them but i kind of see him right now as the third quarterback in this class i really like darnold and rosen rosen number one i think darnold's sitting at two uh jackson now i have more work to do on jackson because for some reason getting the louisville coach's film i only had one game to, to watch this summer and it was uh his worst game ever it was against houston so now, what I see on broadcast is, and I like when they show the uh, the rear view angle replays. With Jackson, there's so much good. He has that flick of the wrist release. He's one of the most electric runners I've ever seen at the quarterback position. It's amazing the things he can find his way out of. The concerns for me are, I, I would like to see him in person because I, do, I truly have no idea how, how big he is. My Not gut very. is that he's my gut is that he's 205 right now. I think at the the combine he'll be six one. You know, with the trainers these days, they can get the weight up. It's keeping it on. The I start. think he'll they probably, listed him at six three two thirteen. 
Yeah, he's probably 6'1", 205 right now. I think he'll he'll be fine at the combine. He'll get up to 218 or whatever it needs to be. I don't, I'm not really playing into the size thing as much. That's not really my concern. The, taking the hits is scary, but he does a pretty good job eluding tacklers where I don't see him get cracked often enough. Now, he had his fair share to deal with against Clemson. My one big problem with Jackson, honestly, right now, is that he loves to leave a clean pocket. And I get yeah. he's at yep. his best on the move, making plays on the run. I don't know if it's... He's so good when he's on the move and the field is cut in half. He's just, it's precision. But I would just like to see him hang around in a clean pocket. I This is something me and you talked about during the game. It almost seemed like Clemson's guys, because I mean, they have four first rounders in that defensive line. It's a freak show up there. Is that they were told not to over pursue him in the first quarter. They, they rushed him. But they didn't try to ever overrush him where he can get out and make plays. So he could have sat in the pocket and made throws. He just likes to leave a clean pocket. And he does. And they set it up to spy him because Clemson has some athletes yes. at linebacker. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel, uh, I think that's his name, number six, was exceptional in that role. I mean, he picked off a pass and returned it uh, for a touchdown. They were, they were forcing Jackson to play in the pocket. And there were some times he got loose from that, which... There were some some big rush lanes, right? Yep. But I mean, and you'll hear all all my concerns, all Melo's concerns. But I was I was curious to hear what you thought uh, of him, and and of course, yeah, it's early. So you said quarterback three, like no one's asking you to tat, like tattoo that on your arm. Or yeah, th- there's a lot I love, and there are things that I'm very concerned about. He he once again would be one of those outliers where it's like. Well, he might never be a he can throw from the pocket. I'm not saying he can't, but he might never be a great pocket passer. But when you can run like that and make a play out of nothing, that's a special trait. So I'm curious to see the rest of his season and the whole process and all that stuff, because he's just so talented right now. And there's just things that he even said he has to grow as you know, he's looking to grow as a passer and he's still working on those things and Going against Clemson will make a lot of people look bad. Yeah, and he has Florida State uh, in a, a month, I think. So we'll have one more really good test for him against Derwin James and Tavares McFadden and Josh Sweat. That, that's a very good defense, too. So I, I think, you know, you said it earlier, you like to see these marquee games and how guys do in those matchups. We'll get one more really good look at Lamar Jackson before he has to, uh, before a bowl game, before he has to make a decision about if he's ready to take the next step to the NFL. Uh, before we take our, our first break and then get to that that Clemson-Louisville audio, tell me about Mark Andrews, the tight end from Oklahoma. He's your college player to know this week. I just, this guy, man, you want to talk about a red zone presence with Andrews. And the thing I love about Andrews, too, is that he just continues to get better. Like, he, you know, he obviously was productive for the college tight end position, nearing 500 yards and seven touchdowns last year, seven touchdowns the year before that. He's got one touchdown this year. He got banged up in the Ohio State game, which has set him back. He looks like he's, he's playing a little hobbled. But listen, Tulane, whatever, you know, four catches, 76 yards. UTEP, another team he lit up for seven and 134. But he just does so many good things around the red zone. He's one of those guys that can go up and get the ball. He's a mismatch. I think he runs pretty well for a guy that looks like he's 6'5", 260. So I'm excited about him. I, I don't think this tight end class is by any means going to be game-changing, but I think you're looking at a guy that can be a two-way tight end and be a nice little mismatch as that third target in an offense. So when you watch Oklahoma, you know, it's great to see Baker Mayfield make all these plays, but keep an eye on their tight end because he's a guy that he might be 
you know, I don't know if we'll go ahead of both Orlando Brown but I, and Baker, but I, he has a shot to be drafted ahead of them. Yeah, I really like I really like him. I really like Baker, which is weird. I'm coming around on him He's pretty fun. fast. Uh, so my player to know, uh, Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from uh, Memphis, had a great day. Uh, quarterback Riley Ferguson had a good day against UCLA, but Miller was all over the field, man. I mean, he's just electric with the ball in his hands. He's a little bit older as a prospect. I, I think he's 24 years old, but he looked like the college version of Antonio Brown. Like, I mean, because he's not a big guy. He's about 5'11", 190. He is incredibly quick. And we, he's only played two games this year because they, like, they on the schedule was Central Florida and Georgia State for Memphis, and they were both canceled due to weather. So, you like, UCLA was the first time I had seen him this year, and he went off nine catches, 185 yards. It probably helps, and I know you're way too young to probably get this reference, but back in the day, <laughs> my second favorite wide receiver in the NFL was Anthony Miller. He played for the Chargers. He's number 83. So watching this kid is like a little bit of a throwback for me, which I'm feeling a little old saying that, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's like he was like the most random. He was one of those guys you only liked because you got his football card and yep. same last name. And I was born in 83 and he wore 83. So it was like, this, random is, my, fandom. this is my dude, you know, like everyone's got their reasons. Anthony Miller and Eric Allen were like my two guys that ever anyone under 30 listening to this is like you just made those two up like they did not play <laughs> they're the not NFL. real people <laughs> but i'll tell you you didn't make this guy up because he is explosive man i mean he he averaged this is a guy averaged over 15 yards a catch last year and now he's averaging near 20 early in this young season so he's a lot of fun to watch he has uh one more name i have to throw this out there before we go to break Rashad Penny. Have you seen the San Diego State running back? Yeah, buddy. I had him uh, oh my two, two weeks ago. He was in. He was the don't sleep on guy in my draft radar column because he was such a good... He, he only returned like nine kicks last year, but he was like one of the best kick returners in the country when he got the chance. And now he's at play, their full-time running back. I mean, good Lord, man. Size, speed, power, agility. Do you want my hot take on this? Let's hear it. He is... Two times the prospect Pumphrey was. I'd say three times. He is. And that's not just saying by size. <laughs> no, man, he's good. And he's a good receiver out of the backfield. But he's, he's 5'11", 220. But he runs like he's 200 pounds. So I we talked about the big board. He's way up on that list for me. I think he's my running back number five. So I, I really, really like this kid. Um, okay, we, and, and we got to give uh, Stephen Nelson a little love because he always seems to be on the Aztecs, and oh, he was always. telling me he was telling me about Penny, you know, for a while. He's always he's clipping out his plays. Stephen Double Underscore Nelson on Twitter. If you want to see this guy when he plays, you can rely on Nelson to get those highlights up real quick. I mean, he's he's fun to watch, and he's gonna he's starting to find his way into that top five running back talk a little bit. Yep, he is, man. He's he's a lot of fun. So. Um, that, that was a long first segment. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back uh, with some audio from me and Mello. Uh, then we'll have our interview with Chaps from Barstool Sports. And then the we're NFL Insider close it out. Chaps. Yeah, NFL Insider Chaps, the Insider's Insider. Uh, and then we'll <laughs> then we'll close it out with our, our Draft on Draft segment where we're taking your questions from Twitter and from iTunes. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. We're actually going to hop in the old DeLorean, get it up to 88 miles an hour, and go back in time a little bit here to a segment that Mello and I recorded uh, when we were on the road at the Louisville-Clemson uh, game. This is something we told you guys we're going to try to do as much as we can this year when we're on the road, when it's fresh in our minds right after we watch these players. We're going to do our best to break them down. So here's Mello and I 
uh, from Louisville talking about you know, Lamar Jackson, talking about Kelly Bryant, all the amazing NFL talent that we saw on the field in that game. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our little on-the-road segment here. Uh, Mello and I coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, where we, we just watched a guy that coming into this game was being billed as maybe a repeat Heisman candidate and Lamar Jackson. A lot of people in the draft community were really talking him up as a first-round quarterback. Uh, I've seen some people on Twitter saying he's their, their number one quarterback. So we have wanted to see him in person before we had a whole lot of opinion about him. And I think we may have jinxed it a little bit. Yeah, I think we might have a quarterback jinx with us. Um, I love going to these games, but I don't think teams are going to invite us back. Oh, no, no. Not if these quarterbacks keep playing like shit. Week one, we go to Iowa, Wyoming. Josh Allen has an awful game. And his draft stock's in decline. It, it's it's declining. Um, which, uh, have a new big board article coming out this week. You guys can see where I have him at. We go to Louisville, Kentucky, and... There were times I thought that Clemson's quarterback, Kelly Bryant, was actually the better quarterback on the field. Yeah, that's one thing that we talked about when we got there. Like, going into this game, if you didn't know who the Heisman Trophy winner was, you would think it was the quarterback from Clemson. And he wasn't even the starter last year. But everything that we saw from Lamar Jackson, he did not look like a Heisman winner. He was rattled. He didn't do anything impressive. I know he had a lot of total yards, but... That shows up in the stat sheet. It did not show up in the game. It really didn't. And I think the one thing that a lot of people maybe don't understand with what we do for a living is like, we're evaluating these guys and that not as a college football player, but how well will they play in the NFL? And I, I leaned over to you at one point, I think in the third quarter and said, you know, he's a really good college quarterback. I have a lot of questions about Lamar Jackson as an NFL quarterback after seeing him live. And he's an electric runner. The best play of the game was when he got loose for a run. But as a passer, uh, I think you pointed out very correctly that Clemson was trying to keep him in the pocket. They were content to let him beat them from the pocket. His big plays were kind of junk plays. You know, the touchdown pass that he threw uh, early in the game was a great catch. And other than that, it was a lot of runs. And I, I just wasn't, I wasn't blown away at all. Not like I have been with some of the other guys we've seen in person previously. And his, like you said, he's a great college quarterback. You can't take that away. He earned that Heisman Trophy. But his game does not translate to the NFL. Those Clemson defensive linemen who, I mean, they have three exceptionally talented guys on that defensive line. In the NFL, there's six of those guys on a defensive line. And he just, he couldn't get away from them. He's not going to be able to do it in the NFL. Not at the success that we see in college. And I know that everybody talks about, oh, he gained weight, he gained weight. And he does look bigger, but he still doesn't have a body that can take a beating, not from NFL caliber guys. Yeah, let's break it down a little bit more um, because, you know, you say it doesn't translate to the NFL. A lot of people might wonder, hey, is the best player in college football. What the, what the hell does that mean? It doesn't translate to the NFL. In college football, the field is the, the field is wider because of the hash. Yeah, the hash marks, you get a lot wider play. So you can use your speed a lot more in college than you can in the NFL. Right, everything's tighter in the NFL. The passing windows, the running lanes, everything's tighter with the the hash marks being inside. And that's one thing I noticed with Jackson is he has played better from the pocket. This was his first test against a good defense, by the way. We had seen him week one, week two against very bad defenses. Against a good defense, I when I evaluate quarterbacks, accuracy is number one. And you want to see touch, timing, and anticipation. I didn't see those three things from Lamar Jackson at all against Clemson. No, there were no there was no timing with his receivers at all. And everything was a miss. I know on Twitter 
we couldn't really check Twitter during the game, and it was hard to keep up with everything. But people were t- saying, oh, his receivers aren't doing anything to help him out. <laughs> yeah, they were. That yeah, touchdown were. was all the receiver. He was missing. He was missing behind guys. He was missing low. I don't think he overthrew many balls, but, I mean, he was not giving his receivers a chance to catch the ball at all. No, and you throw back to Deshaun Watson a year before against Alabama. I think that's a perfect example of a guy who's setting his receivers up to make plays. You know, putting Mike Williams in a position to make good catches, putting Jordan Leggett in position. We didn't see that from Lamar Jackson. Uh, Credit Clemson. uh, They had a great game plan. And let's flip it over because I think, you know, we both were so blown away by how much NFL caliber talent they have just on defense. Not even talk. We didn't get to see a whole lot of Deion Kane because Clemson didn't throw the ball a ton. And when they did, it was yeah. more to Hunter Renfro who does not drop the ball. Yeah. And Ray Ray Armstrong. Yeah. Ray Ray Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. White boy supreme Hunter Renfro with great hands. And, um, but that defense, it, Dexter Lawrence isn't draft eligible. So we don't want to jump into that mess yet. We will next year. He's going to be damn good. Christian Wilkins, number 42. I think he's a top 10 player. Cleveland Farrell, number 99, is probably a top 20 player. Austin Bryant, number seven, might be a top 45 player. So it's like, it's unreal how much talent Clemson had. And and to remember that two years ago, they had two, you know, top 50 picks in Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd. So they just keep turning it over. And this group's amazing. And the guy that really stood out was their middle linebacker. Number six, the graduate transfer. His yeah. name escapes me right now. But he was the guy that stood out. That He did a lot of spying on Jackson. And he looked just as athletic. I mean, he stayed with him and didn't allow Jackson to beat them with his legs because he yeah. was everywhere he went. Yeah, it, number six was spying. He looked great in coverage. Um, it was just all over the field. And the the team speed from them, we saw it in the secondary. We saw it up front. We saw it at the linebacker position. So just the – and I, I think when you have a, an athletic quarterback like that who runs, you know, probably I would guess a four five five. 460 somewhere in that range that's that's hard for anyone to keep up with but Clemson did a great job of it uh, I loved the pursuit that we saw from the defensive lineman they hustled all all over the game um we watched a lot of games Saturday morning uh you're only with us for this one segment on the podcast is there anyone else that just like stood out to you when we were watching games that that you either want to watch more of or that you feel like is a stock up or stock down guy uh, a guy that I've been high on that a lot of people haven't been so far is Mason Rudolph. Yeah, you get credit watching for that, that game. I mean, I know that he just tore Pitt to pieces, but Pitt is not that bad. They're not, you know, 49 to nothing or whatever that score was. They're not that bad, but Mason Rudolph really anticipated well. He threw intermediate accuracy. And one thing that I really wanted to see with from him this year was mobility, mobility in the pocket. God, he looked great. He showed it with that one play, escaping a couple defenders, finding his guy deep. And he did not depend on James Washington. No, he really didn't. We didn't see Josh Washington get that involved until the second quarter. And even then. Yeah, yeah, late in the second quarter. uh, Even then, there were a lot of other guys making plays. So, yeah, Mason Rudolph looked really good. The kids from Memphis, uh, the receiver Anthony Miller, and uh, the their quarterback, of course, I, I can't think Riley of Riley Ferguson? Riley Ferguson, thank you. I was say, this is great radio if I can't remember this kid's name. Uh, while you guys are all tweet, you know, Googling it and looking it up, I they looked really good uh, in a big win for them uh, over recently. Wilton Spates at Michigan, he looks like trash. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. a guy that I wanted to watch, too, a lot this year just because of the big body, the Jim Harbaugh offense. Yeah. But that's terrible. So uh, we're recording this early. Everyone's going to listen to it midweek. Uh, Tanner Lee, Nebraska quarterback, draft stock is... Dead. It's gone. Yeah. It's dead. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it's officially gone. So unfortunately, we can cancel that trip to Lincoln that we were looking forward to taking. Sadly. Sadly. We do love Lincoln. Uh, maybe we, you know, we're going to Dallas in a month. Maybe we'll sneak in a Nashville trip instead. I think we'd both be okay with that. Uh, that's it uh, from Clemson. Uh, we'll get back to the rest of the podcast. So thanks for hanging out with us. And this uh, this will be the last one from us until Texas OU, which is going to be uh, ugly. Yeah, um, that is a game that we're going to next. Uh, I don't know if we'll do a recap on that one. I just might be too pissed off. I'm Hopefully a, not. We're going Hopefully as not. fans, so we don't have that obligation of we have to go sit in the press box and be professional. So, yeah, I, I couldn't do professional that game. No, so there might if there's a recap, it might be next day with like some Bloody Marys and some you know fried food. <laughs> but you know, Texas played really well against USC, so we'll see what happens against Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, shockingly good against USC. I mean, I was, you know, like fist. I was Tiger Woodsing in the hotel room, <laughs> like thinking that Texas was going to win that one. Yeah, they're almost back. Is everybody almost saying? back? They're almost back. Tom, Todd Herman, he's almost got so close to back. <laughs> All right, that's it uh, for me and Mello. Uh, now back to the regular programming uh, with Connor. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to Stick to Football. And you know, for the first time ever, we have a guest that I have no idea how to introduce. I, I don't even know. I actually don't know his real name. I don't even know like what his title is. But we have uh chaps from Barstool Sports, and I you're gonna have to like tell people exactly what your title is. I was trying to explain you to my girlfriend last night, and I was like, well, he's He's a football guy, but he's like a personality more than anything. NFL insider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's that way for me, too. Like when we go play, when I go places with my wife and I'm like, people ask me, I mean, that's one of the first things. Just so, hey, what do you do for a living? And I say, like, uh, I'm like a personality, I guess, like a <laughs> kind of a comedian, podcaster, writer. Like I do a little bit of it's just, I don't have an answer either. So what I just say is I work for Barstool and hopefully they know what that is. And if they don't, then I just say it's like a men's lifestyle comedy sports brand. That's a long ass business card. It is. And that's why I don't have them. Thank God. I just have a Twitter account. I know. I, we were in Nashville last year for spring break and there were these guys who like, were like, oh, you have a business card? And I was like, N- are you on Twitter or Instagram? I can give you that. I don't, I don't know how to. I get the same thing. I, I lie a lot about what I do. Do you do that now that Barstool's big? If, do you ever just like, you don't want to get into that conversation? So it's like, I sell insurance. Uh, not not really, because luckily for me, San Antonio, people kind of leave you alone. And it's not like as big in San Antonio yet. It's more when I'm in the Northeast, it's like you're recognized and stuff like that. But um, down here, it's people pretty much leave me to my own devices. I say I work for Barstool. And they're just like, oh, cool. That's nice. Chaps, how much traveling do you do with Barstool's main studio being operated out of New York City now and you being in San Antonio? I go up to New York about one week a month, and then fall is kind of my busy season. Like this year, I'll be going to a few Marine Corps balls, speaking at some. I go to football games. I'm actually going to the Jaguars game uh, this weekend. I'll be back down in Jacksonville. We're dropping off a check for $30,000 that we raised for Damn. service dogs. So that's pretty dope. That's awesome. um, yeah, but it's a busy time, but it's it's a great job to have. I definitely feel very fortunate. You kind of mentioned there, like, you know, you do the Marine balls. Like, you you have a different background than a lot of people in media. You know, I was like a a joke in, like, I worked in social media marketing. You were 
in war before you were doing this, right? I mean, so what, I know you were a Marine, but what exactly did you do? I was a dog handler uh, when I was in the Marines. I was in the Marines for a little over um, nine and a half years. And I got retired because I got shot in 2007. And so after a while, I just decided that it wasn't for me. My doctors decided it wasn't for me anymore either. So I, I moved on. How I got involved in media is just I was a bored college student after I got out of the Marine Corps and was just tweeting like all day because some of my classes were very boring to me. So I just started wasting my time on Twitter like a lot of people do. And uh, one day I decided to start a podcast. I had done like five episodes of the podcast where I was sitting in my closet, literally talking into a shoebox that was filled with like the little eggshell things that you put in between a mattress. <laughs> and it had like a little mic in the back. And Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool, happened to come across it because some dude with like 40 Twitter followers said, hey, you should check this dude chaps out. He's pretty funny. And he offered me a job like two weeks later, full time. It's crazy. So when they came, when they approached you, what was their pitch to you? Did they have a, a direct idea of what they wanted you to be? Or were they like, hey, we just want you to be yourself? And, you know, like, what was the exact pitch to you? That's the great thing about Barstool is that it allows you to be who you are. Like, we have a wide array of different types of personalities from KFC to Big Cat to PMT Commenter to Dave Portnoy to myself. It's just we run the gamut of the different types of people. And... Dave wanted me to do basically what made me successful on the internet or quote unquote successful on the internet. Talk about my military background, make stupid jokes and basically do whatever I want. Like I have full editorial control over all my stuff. So it's, it's very much do what you want to just be good at it. But you don't troll breaking news anymore, right? Like, have you retired that? Yeah. Kind of after the Olivier Vernon thing that Schefter talked about it on part of my take after that was done. And I had, I thought once I reached a certain level of followers that it, it did, it wasn't fun to me anymore because it was easy. Like it just went to so many people that I could get people every time. The, the beauty of it at the beginning was that I didn't have, I had like 90 followers or 130 <laughs> followers and it would be retweeted tons of times and breaking news. And I just thought that was really silly. But now if, now that I have like close to a hundred thousand followers, it wouldn't be nearly as challenging as to like trick people. You know, I have to admit, you probably know this man that you got me once and I fucking hated you and was like, yeah, this idiot, like you, you don't under, like, this is fucking journalism. You don't understand what you're messing with. And then it was like, God, I, you, you like have that moment where you realize you're a dick and you're not that important. And then it was like, okay, this guy's actually just hilarious. And like, it's funny, but a lot of people did not like you. I mean, a lot. Oh, there's still some like in media that will be like, no, man, that dude's a dickhead. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. He he screwed me one time on a report. And like, dude, it's a released wide receiver from the Titans. Like, why do you even care, man? Like, how are you still mad about that? But I think when Rap Sheet, when Ian Rappaport, there's a time that um, I made up numbers for an Alex Smith contract just out of the out of nowhere. And Alex Smith wasn't even getting talked about having a contract extension. And then later that day, when I made the tweet earlier that he was going to sign a contract extension, it actually happened oh, within like three or four million dollars of the total guaranteed time of the contract. And I was sitting in my house like, what in the hell, man? Like, how did that happen? So Rap Sheet emails me and he's like, hey, dude, do you actually have sources? Because it's like the, the second time that I have that happened and i was just honest with him. i was like no dude i don't have shit like i don't i don't have any sources at all 
That's so good. Chaps, you'll appreciate this. Uh, at our old Bleacher Report office, we used to have up front with the NFL desk. So there was like six of us, and we used to monitor breaking news. And uh, one thing we did, we had a box of hats that were like old props from shoots. It was like a sailor's hat, a sombrero, a fedora. And if anybody got caught reporting to the table your fake news, you would have to wear the hat for the rest of the week. And it was like the most shameful thing if somebody <laughs> reported the fake news. You'd yeah. have to sit at the bleacher board desk with one of the worst hats on all day. It was awesome. I love that. There's another story that was like that, that one of the guys that work at NFL.com told me whenever the official NFL account got like got by me um, with a Des Bryant report, I think it was, and Andrew Siciliano was standing like in their newsroom like, who the fuck is Uncle Chaps? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> Uh, and just the idea, <laughs> just the idea of the red zone dude being like so pissed over some fake Des Bryant news just made me laugh so much, man. That's, and that's what it was all about. It was me sitting in college, and I wanted to entertain myself. It wasn't some brilliant scheme to eventually work for some media company. It just kind of happened to work out that way. No, you think it'd be the opposite because you were pissing off all the media companies. So <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there's still time. I still have to switch accounts i can go to my podcast account if i want to see what chester says like he still has me blocked his interview with the the part of my take guys was was great because you could tell that he didn't really want to do it you know <laughs> and like and it, you know he mentioned that you getting him with the olivier vernon thing i tweeted about that this morning and, and people were like no no chaps didn't get Schefter. he got espn so it's like Schefter's like boys are still defending him you know, like two years later about this. It's it's great. We we I asked this morning uh, for people to send questions because your followers are, and I guess it's like you and it's really a barstool thing, but your followers are insane, man, for how loyal they are. It, yeah, they're very passionate bunch. It was. So we, we were told to only address you as the hot wine guy today. <laughs> yeah, that uh, rumor's floating around. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, to ask you, I don't even know if we can ask you, the, all the weird ways that you have sex, uh, your favorite pumpkin drinks, if your Venmo's open. That's an important one. Yeah. Oh, man. And I think the great part is, I think it was Josh Norris that said it to me the first time. And he said that you are a reflection of your mentions. And I think that's true by and large. Like if you are the type of person on Twitter who just goes around as like a dickhead and talks mean to other people and talks down to other people, you're going to get that reflected to you in your mentions. Me, I just have like five or six running jokes that I keep for like six months at a time. And that's basically all my mentions are is asking me if my Venmo's open, if I'm drinking pumpkin, if I had sex last night, like just <laughs> like through the gamut of my inside jokes. And that's that's who my mentions are. So if you're not rude to people on Twitter, I feel like you don't get treated that way. So my our followers are are awesome to me, but some of our other guys, their their mentions are a nightmare. That's awesome. Have you ever been to like a specific event, whether it was like Super Bowl week, Radio Row or anything, and had a media member come up and say something weird to you or or like I'm sure they bring up all the time that you dupe them. But has like has there any been any weird moments where now that you're out in the public light all the time amongst the people that you're fooling? Um, yeah, actually, Rap Sheet, he, he came whenever Pat McAfee announced that he was going to come to Barstool. Rap Sheet came up to me, and he, like, gave me a hug, and he was like, I, I was expecting you to look more like me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not 5'7", you mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I thought we were going to be twins. No, you you might be the tallest guy in media. I don't know how tall you are, but I feel tall. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not that tall. I'm like, yeah, I'm like six foot. I'm like, big cat's yeah. pretty tall. Yeah, I big cat. I've seen in person. He's enormous, but 
I'm not very tall. I'm like 5'10", 5'11". And when we go to the Senior Bowl, it, it's awesome. It's the only time in my life I felt like a big guy, you know, because you've got like Rapsheed and, and Schefter and Ciliano. And they're, I mean, they're, I know Schefter said he was like 5'7". That is a lie. He's, yeah, he's, he's maybe 5'6". Like five, five. Uh, so one thing we do at every show, man, is we run our, our guests through, we call it the gauntlet. It's just like five questions we ask everyone. I imagine it's going to be amazing with you, <laughs> just knowing your personality. Uh, so the first question, what's your favorite beer? And not just right now, because I know it's, it's pumpkin time for you, but but your right, all-time favorite. Season. yeah. Uh, my all-time favorite would have to be a beer from Jacksonville, Florida, which I'm originally from. It's going to be the I-10 IPA. It's pretty hoppy. Um, it's like 6.9% alcohol, which plays into it a lot, which is nice. It's a nice little, it's a beer that's strong enough for the day, but you can also smash them at tailgates, which I'm going to do this weekend. So I-10 IPA by intuition. All right. Number two, what's the meanest tweet someone has ever sent you? Ooh. Uh, I think whenever I was talking about veterans during Memorial day, somebody that was very staunchly against war sent me a message. Like I'm, I'm glad your friends are dead type oh, thing shit. and that was God, like that one was that one was pretty shitty just because it's it doesn't i mean because it's on the internet it doesn't affect me but it's just like man dude like why would if you are supposed to be you're against war because you are supposed to have like a bigger heart where you don't want to see people suffer violence why would you go that direction and like the logic behind it doesn't make sense either it's like for me yeah, the people ridiculous. who like the the people who most likely or most often tell me to go fuck myself, I'll look at their profile and they'll have like a Bible verse. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. And it's like, you yeah. know, uh, it's like the Ten Commandments. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Or, or, or a bass fish in their avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, the third one. Uh, what's the one game none of your friends can beat you at? We usually, you know, ask an athletes this type of stuff, but are you like an expert at, at cornhole or horseshoes or anything like that? I'm pretty good at shooting. Like I'm a pretty good shot. So I would say that like all my friends now, like there, there's probably a decent chance that none of them would be a better shot. Does that count? Does shooting that, count? We count I, I, I in the Olympics, counts. right? Yeah. So if I yeah. am ever going paintballing, you're the guy to have on my team. Is what you're saying? I, I'm also because my daughter's four. I've gotten really, really good at go fish lately. Like I'm, <laughs> I don't mean to brag, but I can definitely. <laughs> If there's like a seat at the table in the World Series of Poker for Go, go Fish, my <laughs> poker face is incredible. You don't know if I have a seven. You don't know if I have a jack. You don't know if I have a joker. You don't know any of that stuff, and I'm going to slap it on you. I have to ask, because I have a three-year-old. You have a four-year-old. Is your daughter into Peppa Pig? Do you understand this cultural phenomenon? I don't get it. Well, we told – she was for a long time, and then we told um, – we tell our kids whenever – especially the little one, whenever – we get tired of a show. We tell her that that character has diarrhea. So Peppa's had <laughs> diarrhea for like two years. So <laughs> she'll want to watch it. She'll see it as like we're scrolling across Amazon on like the fire stick or whatever. Like, nah, Peppa still has diarrhea. Caillou's about to get diarrhea real quick. Uh, we haven't made it there yet. Thank God. All right. Number four. And now you can't answer this with your saying any family member. But if you had to be stranded on the island with one person, who would that dream person be? Guy Fieri. <laughs> Someone to cook for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he could cook. We could just... I, he thinks that everything's basically awesome, so I could keep him entertained pretty easily, and we could figure out ways to do stuff. 
And I think people would come look for them because they'd miss Flavortown, so they'd have to come look for them. <laughs> you know, when we first started asking these questions, it would be like, you know, Blake Lively, like answers like that. People are getting so much more creative now. We, uh, I'm blown away every week. Uh, uh, okay, last question. Uh, on a hot dog, ketchup or mustard, what are you putting on there? Mustard, for sure. That's three in a row, Connor, oh. by the way. Yeah, you're doing well. You finally. Finally. We had like 10 <laughs> yeah, weeks. Thank you so much for coming on man yeah man thanks for having me guys appreciate it yeah and uh before you go uh you know we mentioned you work at barstool if you let everybody know i mean you do the podfathers podcast you do zero blog 30 you write you're you're on twitter at uncle chaps what is there anywhere else we need to plug that people can follow you and find your work no man and i always get questions when i come on if you want to donate to different veterans charities that i that i like to champion canines for warriors is one of the best ones so when I do the Bimmo jokes and stuff like that, it's to donate to them. So if you want to go directly, Canines for Warriors is a great cause to go to. So check out my stuff on Zero Block 30. We talk about veterans issues, politics, talk about everything. If you want to talk more parenting, Matt's going to be on our show pretty soon. So you can follow up with, with him on our show at Podfathers. You can find them everywhere that podcasts are. Awesome. Thanks, man. We'll be back right after this. All right, everybody. The moment you've been waiting for. It's time for Draft on Draft. Kennedy, our kick-ass intern. Wait, you're also like the best volleyball player in the country right now, right? You play college volleyball. What's the um, deal? I mean, okay. Then you're leading the country. Came out with the statistic leaders. Technically, I'm number one right now. Technically. Whoa. So you're we'll gonna see. you'll leave us soon for the Olympics or something. That, I was gonna say she's gonna be <laughs> she's gonna get way too big too fast for stick to football. Also, Matt, before we forget. Uh, I want to give a huge thank you to one of our loyal listeners at Sweet Updown 06. Sent us a very, very special beer this week. The both of us. Oh, so awesome. Such a nice guy. Yeah. Like, that was really cool. Yeah. Nothing gold. If you want to Google it, it's I, I think it's the coolest can I've ever seen in my life. It reminded me of like, it's like very disco looking. Um, so that was awesome. Um, I'm saving mine right now because it is 11 a.m. in New York City. <laughs> so I'm, and you know, and when you listen to this, it could be any time, but I, right now I'm recording this at 11 a.m. So not going to get, uh, too tuned up right now, but that was really awesome. So huge thank you to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got mine and then left for the weekend. So not that I ever need an excuse to drink. I'm sure it'll be, it'll be cracked open real soon. So, uh, <laughs> Kennedy, you have a ton of questions for us this week. Yeah, a ton of questions. Okay, if you've graded a player before the season ends, like JT Barrett, is there anything they can do to move up or down after that grade is locked? And that question is from Hunter Neal on Twitter. So for me, once a grade's locked, you really can't. The only way you can move it is like if you got arrested or you know there was just something awful injury or character related because it basically means that I've seen all I need to see on film and... If, like with JT Barrett, I tweeted like, I've seen what I need to see my grades locked in. That means that I've, it's not a good thing. Or it's either awesome, like Miles Garrett, or horrible, you know, where you're like, yeah, this guy can't play. So I'm just going to go ahead and lock the grade in. Yeah, I think the only instance is uh, if somebody like just shocks you at the NFL Combine or their pro day, and it makes you go back to watch the tape and say like, hey, what did I miss here? If anything, is this just a great workout? Or is this a guy that has a little more ability than I thought? So I think workouts can help you. But they'll never ch- changing a grade is uh, that's a little reactionary. So it just will make you rewatch where you could eventually tweak things a little bit. 
Rich Pano on Twitter asked, what are your thoughts on pumpkin beers? I've personally never had a pumpkin beer before, what? so. They're good. I, you, I just had my first one last Thursday. Did you? Do you feel like you? It's like a man card thing. You're kind of like oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm. <laughs> trust me, Matt. You know, I'm the, I'm the last. You're talking to the romper king right here. That's I'm the true. last guy to play, play the like. Oh, this is, this isn't manly enough for me. Like, I, I'm not like that. But, uh, I just thought it, it didn't taste like a beer, and it was so overpowering. It, yeah, it was good. Mix. Like, I was glad. I had a, I had a couple of sips of some ones. I was drinking uh, my favorite Einstock from Iceland. And I, when we go to this certain bar, I, that's all I'll drink there. But somebody had, I forget the name of it, but it was it was like overpowering. So I didn't dislike it, but it's not really something I would I would order. So B- Blue Moon has a pretty good, like a harvest pumpkin wheat. And I haven't had one in a few years, but I like it. But you know where I live, where like if you don't drink like Bush Light or Budweiser. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, Mello's still, Mello still drinking Bud Lights all the time. No, he's on Natty now. Okay, uh, that's actually really that's good. Because it's that. eight dollars for eighteen of them, so you know, jeez, te- yes, that teacher bo- budget. It's the bottom so. of the barrel of the Bud Light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you guys like peanut butter beers or no? I think I don't even. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that thing either. I've never had one. Oh, it's a thing. No. Good lord. <laughs> okay, Patrick Chamberlain on Twitter asked if the Giants get a top ten pick, and that's highly likely. Who are the O-line options they could consider that high? I'm so glad we got this question because this is something uh, <laughs> our our buddy here at Bleacher Report, Gabe, that's recording this show for us right now. He said, you guys got to talk about what offensive line can save us right now. Matt, take it away, dude. Is there anyone that could save this porous Giants <laughs> offensive line? Yeah, I, I like the offensive tackle class this year. I really like Connor Williams, Texas, who you know just got hurt last week. He's going to be out for a little while at least. So, he might not come out. He's a junior. Mike McGlinchey at Notre Dame is a senior. He could be a top 10 or 15 pick. And it's it's something I actually just tweeted about this morning, excuse me, Tuesday morning, was that I, I want to know if the NFL is going to overcorrect and stop drafting these upside guys like Eric Flowers, you know, and, and just draft kind of lunch pail guys who are like ready to go. Yeah. And we start to see more you know, plug and play guys and less upside guys, because I would consider McGlinchey to be a plug and play guy. I think, I think Williams is more upside Orlando Brown at, at Orlando, uh, at Orlando Brown, excuse me, at Oklahoma uh, is someone to keep an eye on as well, but it's a good tackle class. If you don't get one at 10 in the top 10, you might be able to come around around two and get somebody like Mitch Hyatt or you know, Trey Adams. There's, it's a pretty good tackle class. So giants fans, hell y'all need a quarterback too. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just look at one spot. Do you think it's fair to say McGlinchey is in the Taylor Decker mold? Yes, 100%. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. And I think when you look at the Bengals should be the uh, golden example of swinging for the fences on those upside guys and it not looking very good at all right now because they look lost. Okay, Kinu on Twitter asked, how do the Jags solve their quarterback problem this offseason? Get rid of Blake Bortles and draft one as high as you can. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Leave him in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pull the Elaine Kiffin. Don't let him get back on the bus. I. They have so many needs. It's the hard thing. Is like they and they've drafted pretty well, but I still feel like there's a lot of areas where they have to get better. And a lot of those draft classes, you know, from four or five years ago, those guys are free agents now, so they have to start paying people. And we're gonna see the dynamic of that roster change. But I agree. I, I think they have to be in the running as one of those teams that that will try to get a quarterback if they. 
Let me go to the other side of it. If they don't get a top three or five pick and take a quarterback, you know, we've seen reports that Alex Smith will be available in a trade. Ryan Tannehill might be available if he's cut. And I know those guys aren't like real sexy, exciting options, but they're a hell of a lot better than Blake Bortles. And they can help you bridge the gap until maybe you can draft a young guy that can be the next player for you. I like the hashtag, leave him in London. That should be a thing. <laughs> okay, Sylvester Valderrama asked, what player has a team developed better than you expected during the draft process? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I mean, Dak Prescott's the first one that comes to mind for me. As someone who you kind of knew who he was, I know he just had a rough game against the Broncos, but I, I still think overall he's been developed really well and they like they have a plan for him. Like they know what they're doing. They know their strengths as a team, offensive line, run game. And so they they build an offense that works for that with with him and you can see like who does he target most? Jason Witten. So they're making it easy for him even in the past game that you have this incredible Hall of Fame safety valve that you can easily go to. So I, a Dak might be might be my example. I don't know, do you have one Connor? Yeah, I have one that comes right to mind because I always I always answer it with this. Um, Hunter on the Vikings, Danielle Hunter. Is that how you say his first name? I always uh, screw yeah. up his first name. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, da- Danielle Hunter from LSU on the Vikings, the pass rusher. I mean, just you look at him and you go, okay, 6'5", 6'6", 240, 250 range. Ran a 4'5", 7 at the, at the combine. Just like freakish stuff. Freakish stuff. Watched him at LSU and was like, that was the most underwhelming, disappointing film I've seen that that year because I expected so much. Then he goes into the Vikings defense and he's just a monster. His development came along so quickly. Uh, I think he's playing around good players, but I think he really grew as a player of what he, he started to reach his ceiling way quicker than I ever expected. And, and I mean, great for him. It, for me, it's a miss. And I, I think he's been really impressive. Ryan T 207 on iTunes asked, would you rather have a hall of fame head coach or a hall of fame quarterback to lead your team? Oh, shit. It's a great question. That's one of the hardest questions we've ever gotten. Um, I, th- I would rather have I a Hall of Fame coach. Me too. Because you could, you. you could fix everything. You know, like, so I, I guess it's almost like, would you rather have Belichick or Brady? I'd yeah. Ra- I'd rather have Belichick. <laughs> it's kind of the it's que- hard. It's kind of the question. It's yeah. really hard, but I would rather have Belichick. Yeah. I mean, look at how many great quarterbacks never really get a chance at a title because of the lack of coaching. Yeah, and I mean, then Drew you look Brees. at how many co- yeah. how many great coaches win with, you know, average to okay, you know, above average quarterbacks. Above average quarterbacks are not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So, yeah, that's a that's a great. But question. it's like, would would Belichick win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith? Yes, he, yes, probably. Probably would have one. Yeah, at he least. would he would get it. He but would he get wouldn't one. have five, but he would have something. He'd get one. Yep, that's a good question though. Jeff Rotul44 on iTunes asked, which Division I school that doesn't usually stand out as a banner program produce NFL talent? LSU? I don't know. Is LSU yeah. a banner program? It's, yeah, I would say so because yeah, they're, they, they're so known for talent. You're right, though, where they just underwhelm in the SEC every year, but they're a banner program. Uh, ooh, man. I'm trying to think of, like, you know, I, I guess... It, it depends on your definition of banner program. Like yeah. to me, I think Washington State puts out players all the time. I don't know if they're you know who uh, SMU. Yeah, SMU has, has a decent amount. What about I'll, Cal? I'll go through. Like Cal puts out a ton. Cal, Colorado. Um, I actually want to hang on this one. 
for a second because I'm kind of I'm ca- Troy is another one. Didn't Troy have um, a Demarcus Ware? Demarcus Ware and yeah. somebody played across from him, and I always forget who it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it goes on. There's uh, schools like that. It's a tough one to answer because it depends on your definition of banner school. But I think SMU. Troy, those kind of schools, you can go find players from them. Yeah, that's I mean, impressive. North Dakota State is probably the best, like, yes. You know, oh, that's a good one. FCS school that actually puts a, a, a decent amount of guys in the NFL, not just Carson Wentz, but they, you know, they had Billy Turner. They they always have someone coming out of there. Juan Pob on iTunes asked if you were making an NFL team, but you had to clone the same player 22 times, <laughs> which player would you choose? Oh, God. wow. <laughs> Okay, this That's, is I, I. First, I was gonna say JJ Watt and just try to be funny about it. I, I actually know. I actually I, know. I my, kind of thought the answer. same thing. <laughs> you have one, Connor. Yeah, and the the line play, the offensive line play, would be a problem, but I would take Patrick Peterson because oh, I, great I, he because he can play quarterback because he can literally play wide receiver. Yeah. He can play running back. He's a top three corner in the NFL. He could play safety. I'm sure he would be a nightmare blitzer off the edge if you need them to bulk up i'll take patrick peterson i guess fuck the offensive line yeah sorry i <laughs> i would say andrew luck because i want someone like incredible football iq great character and a really good athlete so it's i like you would want similar dna obviously i would need someone some like 300 pound andrew lux but it, to me he's still the best pl- like prospect i've ever evaluated so that that also makes it easy to pick him I, and it would be easy to say Gronk if he could stay healthy, but I don't want 22 players with like 12 surgeries. How great so. is it that, that Gronk has 69 touchdowns right now? I know. What I are, love it. What are the chances yeah. he just retires? He's like, you know what? I was going to say, he's like, yeah, I'm good here. Yeah, I'm That's sad. I, th- I think he wants to change his jersey for the next game to 69. <laughs> he should just eat the eat the fines. It would not surprise but. me. Okay, Jared Brown asked. That's our guy. Which yep. Yeah, which player has impressed you the most and which has been the biggest letdown early on? Oh, shit. Do I get to go first? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, okay, you well, do. The biggest letdown has been Josh Allen, and we spent like yep, 30 minutes talking fair. about that at the beginning of the show. The most impressive player to me is Ronald Jones, the running back from USC. Um, and I had a I had a round one on him over the summer, uh, but I I think he's in my top 15 or 16 now. I just I love the way he plays the game. He's speed with power. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. Um, it, and I I know it's easy when a guy has dreads and he wears twenty five, but he reminds me of Jamal Charles. God, I mean, you know those are those are two of my guys there. So it's like it's pretty hard for me to to pick better. I'll tell you who who's impressed me. I'll, I'll answer this question like this in a different way. Who's impressed me that to me was a giant letdown last year is Malik Jefferson. Oh, I, man. Uh, I, yes. I was starting yeah. to get very, very worried last year that it was really a lot of hype and not a lot of substance. And I think he's been really impressive this year. And I hope he builds off of it because one of the most volatile player prospects, you're talking about last year, he looked like a day three pick. And you're talking about this year, he looks like a late day one, early day two kind of pick so I'm trying to figure out what he is so he's been a mix of both but the good thing is it's trending in the right direction at the right time I, I love how they're using him this year like he's blitzing more the, yes but they're even they're time, maximizing his talent yeah and even against the run he looked smarter like he's he's coming downhill he's not it's not all lateral where he's you know like kind of you know doesn't want to take on blocks maybe uh, Malik looks I mean I, I'm a Texas homer 
I know it, but I'm usually harder on those guys because of it. But Malik is really, yeah, he's impressed me as well. That's a great answer. And the Oreo asked, if you were a GM prospect, would you rather join an established team like the Patriots or a team on the rise like the Titans? This is funny. I actually had this conversation with uh, with someone who works in the NFL just a couple weeks ago and you know, kind of asked him the same thing. And and my answer was I would rather go to an up and comer because I think you have a chance to like prove yourself. If you go to New England, you just have to like keep it going, you know? It's like let's just not fuck this up. But if you go somewhere like like Tennessee or Cleveland or Jacksonville, like you get to put your mark on that team. And because GM jobs, you know, if, if you get fired as a GM, you're done. Like you you might go work for TV, you might go be an advisor somewhere, but you you really don't get a second chance at that. It's not like coaching. No. So I would rather go out doing it my way than have to go somewhere like New England or Pittsburgh and, you know, kind of just try to emulate what someone else did. I completely agree. The best GM prospects are the guys that believe in themselves more than you can imagine. And I think if you ever read uh, Ron Wolf's book, you know, he what he talks about the whole Brett Favre thing. He was really the only guy in that building that was like, I'm going to trade a first rounder for Brett Favre. And when you look at it, you have to be like that. And those guys don't want to go places where it's, you know, you just hop on the, the, the joy ride and you're just along for the ride. They want to go to where they can show why they're the best. So the best go to places where now they're not going to go to put themselves in a situation to fail, but you go into a situation where you have a chance to succeed. But that reasoning is because of you. Okay, and the last question of the day is from Colin Hart, and he asked, do you think offensive line development is hurt because high school and college coaches are trying to make all of their best athletes play defensive line? Man, I think there's a there's a big issue with offensive line play. It's In not general. just development. It's not, it's not just coaching. It's scouting. It's everything. And I, I think it's really easy for us on Twitter, you know, because you got 140 characters or whatever, to just point the finger and say, it's the spread offense. That's killing offensive line play. Or blame it on the CBA and be like, well, these guys can't practice. They can't develop. I think it's a little bit of everything. I think oftentimes we want to point to the easiest answer, and, and sometimes it's more nuanced than that. So, yes, we are seeing a lot of athletes play defensive line, but I, I think the offensive tackles coming out of college are great athletes. They're, you know, we, we shit on Eric Flowers a lot. Dude's a great athlete. Uh, Cedric Oboehi is a great athlete. They're just the technique or the the instincts or the awareness. Like there's there's something missing, but there's also a matter of you could be the greatest coach in the world and have a great athlete, but if he can't learn it and apply it, it doesn't matter. So sometimes there's just, there's a lot of limitations that aren't, you know, about the CBA or about the spread offense. It's just sometimes people just aren't good at football. And yep. I, I think that's what we have to account for. Offensive line play is down, in my opinion. It's way down. It's ugly at times. It's embarrassing. Some of that is because we have freaks like Von Miller and Khalil Mack and Jadevian Clowney that they have to block now. But I think we will see an adjustment. Like the NFL, like these coaches are are so smart. They're going to figure it out. You know, but way back in the day, you had Lawrence Taylor and no one knew how to stop him. And Bill Walsh was like, you know what? I'm going to put my best athlete at left tackle and we're going to, we're going to stop him. And that's where this whole blindside left tackle thing came from. I think we'll see teams figure it out, whether it's with size or athleticism, or maybe we see more, you know, tight end personnel to help with with blocking. They'll figure it out somehow. 
Yeah, the league always catches up. I, I think you wrapped it up, you know, really well there, Matt. I saw uh, Amy Trask on CBS, who used to work in the NFL, I believe in Oakland especially, and she said it really well that it's just a combination of so many things. It ranges from coaching to the collective bargaining agreement, you know, not giving them the time to develop properly. Sometimes the players just aren't very good that they're taking very high to try to compensate for the issue. So it is interesting. I, I think the original question is really interesting about uh, high school and college coaches trying to make their best athletes play defensive line. Um, I, I mean, I, it's hard to speak across the board and say all high schools are, are, are doing that, but obviously I'm sure that is the case majority-wise, and it's hard to blame them. Like, listen, you want those guys, you know, rushing the passer. You don't, it, it's like Matt said, though, I think it's an issue that it, it's going to fix itself. Coaches are going to figure out whether it's something we talked about over summer, getting back to that power run game to kind of slow yep. things down a little bit. I think the Titans are a team that's shown they can do a really good job of that. I think teams will catch on to that now as you just see guys like Eli Manning just getting killed out there. I mean, doesn't stand Russell a chance. Wilson too. Yeah. Russell Wilson Aaron running Rogers. for his life. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers running for his life. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And it, whether it's double teams, whether there's so many things that factor into it that could fix it, but it is going to take a little while to fully fix it. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Well, that's it for this week's Draft on Draft, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Thanks, Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, we, yeah, we tried always. to go longer this week to make up for last week. Um, it, it's great when we can like kind of stretch our legs and we don't have to, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in that New York office. So it's nice when when we can run a little long like this, especially you know with, with draft season heating up. Uh, I want to say thanks to Kennedy. Thanks to Mello uh, for joining us this week. Uh, yes. Definitely thanks to Chaps. We've been, it, he, when we decided to do this podcast, we had like a list of people we really wanted to get on. And now we're trying to actually get to that list. You know, we Chaps was way up there. We'd love to get Matt Bowen on soon to talk about it, yes. everything that he does. It, he's like the smartest, nicest guy in the world, and he has some great stories. So, Great storyteller. We have a lot of people we, we would like to get on. We'll try to keep you guys posted on, on Twitter, at Stick to Football, with, with our upcoming guests. You can send in questions for them. Uh, but the, that's it for me this week. Connor, you have any, any parting shots this week? Uh, not really. Just episode number 24, Darrell Rivas episode. I, I still love him. Uh, it was uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. Keep writing your reviews, sending your questions. Like I said, we're trying to get to them all. Me and Matt are trying to get on the Stick to Football Twitter account as much as we can to just do Q&As for things that we missed or just things that you don't want to wait for the answer. You want them right now. So we'll try to get that going, hopefully on Saturday mornings when game day is going on. Game day is coming to Times Square, the place oh, where I work. They are brave souls. I do not think I will come into Times Square on a Saturday. But it, uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be pretty wild. <laughs> it is going to be wild. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm happy to be home uh, on a Saturday. I can actually watch some game day. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. That's our show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.